welcome to the Solar Insights Podcast. This is Eric Starr. we got Sean Sullivan here, Bright Side of the Sun, to talk about the Sun, the Summer League, and everything else. How are you doing, Sean? Doing well, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Yes, definitely. We had you on a while ago, and it's time to redo it and see what we can learn from the Suns now. Um, what did, let's talk, take a big, um, what do you in general think of their offseason so far? Um, I mean, you know, in general, the offseason has gone about as well as uh, I think it could, uh, realistically, based on what the organization really wants to be doing. Um, I, I think they're, they're certainly tired of, of middling uh, and, and trying to, you know, gradually improve the roster. I know, you know, the fan base has always touted the timeline, uh, but they've been very patient, patiently waiting. And uh, Ryan McDonough was very aggressive at the draft in not only, uh, you know, using that first pick in a very talented draft, but then acquiring another top 10 pick. Um, not Not everybody is in favor of it, but, when you're looking at just what the organization wanted to do, which is a turnaround as quickly as possible, signing Booker, uh, you know, to, to be your franchise guy, and then getting some talent around him, uh, plus the acquisition of, of Trevor Ariza, obviously. I mean, everything that they've uh, set out to do, I think they've accomplished. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the fact that, I mean, I saw some some places where the uh, combination of a Kobo um, – Mikhail Bridges and Aiton were very high on people's list, say, Kobo instead of being really at 31, some people had him higher on their boards and Bridges as well. And Bridges fits exactly what they need. Kobo seems to really have some good parts to his game. And Aiton is Aiton. So, um, so we'll see about that. Um, what do you think about the drafts more specifically in terms of, like, I, I know you were a Bagley guy, but Explain why. Explain all about that. Uh, I just really thought that the Suns could use another offensive, uh, versatile weapon like Bagley. Um, in addition to that, the one thing I, I, th- I think that Bagley brings t- or or would bring to the Suns that Aiton doesn't is just that penchant for uh, offensive rebounding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with eight in size and length, obviously he's going to be there to put some, uh, some, some, uh, balls back in the bucket when the, the shooters miss, but that's really Bagley's strength. He has such a quick second jump, uh, just being able to clean up shots around the rim. I thought, you know, with Booker and the other shooters really spreading out the offense or the defense, uh, and then, you know, even if they're missing shots, you have Bagley that's able to, to get in there and, and grab that rebound and put it back in. I thought that would have been tremendously beneficial. Uh, but, you know, I, I had Aiton and uh, Bagley basically as, as uh, 1A for Bagley and 1B for Aiton. So, uh, you know, even though I was a big Bagley supporter, I was very happy with the Aiton pick as well. So you weren't a Doncic guy like me and a couple other people. I did like Doncic a lot. It's just that, uh, you know, I, I didn't, uh, there's still that, that nervousness over the Euro, uh, you know, and, and also the Suns really needing somebody, uh, a, a big man presence. And I know with the modern NBA, everyone says, well, you don't really need a big man anymore. Um, I'm not convinced. <laughs> you know, I, I still, I still think there, there's a, there's certainly a place, especially when you have guys like, uh, Aiton and Bagley and, and, uh, JJJ and, uh, you know, you can go down the list, Bamba. Those guys are so extremely talented. And, and if anybody is going to prove that, 
that there still is some type of role for, for a big man in, in today's NBA it would be those guys. Yeah, I was noticing this last week or so that with the Capella being um, kind of shortchanged by Houston and Dallas getting, I mean, with the Phoenix getting Aiton, Dallas getting DeAndre Jordan, the market for Capella has gone so far down that a Doncic-Capella would have actually been more realistic than we had previously thought, mm-hmm. which um, makes it, <laughs> to me, that was what I was really hoping for at the beginning. But now that you have Aiton, you kind of totally move on from that and hope that Aiton can really reach his defensive potential, which I think he had over Bagley from everything I've heard. I mean, my last podcast was Matt Norlander from CBS uh, in college basketball talking about defensive potential and stuff like that. On the last yeah, I would, I would agree with the defensive potential for, for Aiton. I mean, there's when you look at Bagley, you can see why, um, you know, he might not ever be an elite defender. You know, he might, he might be serviceable. Uh, but he doesn't have the, the, the size and the length that Aiton does. But when you look at what, what Aiton has, you know, with being 7'1", with a 7'5", wingspan, he, he looks like he can put on, you know, who knows how much more weight and strength uh, to be, you know, a defensive anchor and still, you know, retaining that mobility and agility that he has. I mean, there's just no reason why he shouldn't be an elite defender. And so I, I understand, like, if you're going to gamble on one of them becoming a good defender, you definitely would want to gamble on Aiton in that regard. Which is why I'm okay with the Aiton pick, because you need a defensive anchor or something. But what I really love is the uh, defensive versatility that the Suns now have um, in Bridges, Jackson, and uh, Ariza. Um, I cannot wait for the my favorite lineup, which will be Booker, Jackson, Bridges, um, Ariza, Aiton. It'll be so great. Yeah, I agree. The, the versatility is there, um, and that's another reason I don't think the Suns are as panicked about the point guard situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they have some some good uh, options at point guard with, uh, you know, just just who's who's on the roster. And of course, I, I know that they're looking at Brandon Knight as, as becoming you know back to a, a, a starter. But if you have guys like Booker who can who can certainly distribute the ball, uh, run the offense with the ball in his hand or off the ball uh, as a shooter. And then you got guys like Jackson, who's who's a you know capable ball handler and distributor. Uh, even Dragon Bender, uh, who we've seen, you know, has potential in that area. So you know they certainly have the versatility to just have an average, uh, maybe to even a below average point guard. And then with the other guys that that just have that versatility, I think it can work either way. Yeah, I'm not worried about the point guard situation really anymore. Of course, adding a, like a Patrick Beverly would be great, especially since it doesn't seem. The Clippers, um, I, I don't think he's resigned yet, has he? I, don't, I haven't seen it. Um, or maybe he's still on contract. Anyway, um, I don't – it feels like they don't need him there. Um, but, of course, that would be great, and that would be really a pushing up move. But I think they're more into uh, rehabbing Brandon Knight's value um, because I think before Brandon Knight was, like, whatever, the best player on the floor when we were – when they were playing – when he was playing. when I think he's still there before Booker was drafted, if I remember correctly. And then afterwards, when Booker was still young, and Bledsoe was there, and so it didn't really work out well. But I think as if Brandon Knight is the starting point guard, and Booker's better than him, Ariza's better than him, Aiden's better, like then it may work pretty well. And and he can and what from also his his mindset may have changed since his injury, since he's seen how it's what it's like. I think the Suns would really like to rehab his value, be able to trade him at the deadline or something. Um, and also, I think, I mean, I always thought he was a, he's a good player. He just needs to make better decisions. 
And with the new change in role, I think that could that's definitely happen. Plus, they have such a good competition for the second um, back the other backup point guard with a uh, Harrison and and a Kobo. Yeah, I agree. I, I think what you said is, is is exactly right. I mean, they they, they do want to see if they can uh, bring Brandon Knight back up to his potential, um, and it's certainly possible. Like you were talking about, when when Brandon Knight was brought here, he was brought here to kind of be the guy. Well, the Suns don't need that anymore. The Suns don't need Brandon Knight to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have they have Booker now, and and that's the guy. You know, end of discussion. Brandon Knight's not going to be the guy in Phoenix. What they need from Brandon Knight is somebody who can be, you know, maybe a a second, third, fourth option, uh, even. So, and and just somebody who can who can distribute and and uh, you know run the offense. So, I I think there's certainly hope in that regard. The only question is, uh, will Brandon Knight be able to accept that? Uh, It's a very big change for him. You know, everywhere he's been, he's been. You know, or at least has tried to be the guy. So now just taking a back seat, uh, all of his interviews have made it seem, you know, that, that he's now realizes that, uh, you know, he, he, he has a different philosophy about how he's going to contribute to the team and has basically taken the approach that whatever the Suns need me to do in whatever role, I'm happy to do it. If that's the case, then I think, you know, there's a very good chance that it could actually work out. Yeah, I do think that's the case. I, the question for me is more where the rubber meets the road. As he's making passes, is he going to make the right pass? It felt like he forced things, and he always took those those uh, long twos and and drove when he shouldn't have, and things like that. So I think I think he can get better at that for sure. He's I mean he's pretty young. What is he like twenty six, twenty seven right now? Maybe yeah, like, still very young. Still he's still decently young, and uh, still be interesting for sure. What I do like is let's talk about Bender for a second. So you've you've been with the, on the Bender train for a while, right? Or were you not one of the people? Oh no, I'm. Uh, I, I've always been intrigued by his potential. I, I wasn't as high when we first uh, drafted him because um, I saw exactly what is happening. You know, I saw a guy that just he, he was never a big time scorer. Uh, everyone thought you know he was going to be the next Przingis. That seemed to be the, the the rumor, and it was like, no, he's a completely different player. So I, I wasn't as a uh, uh, high on drafting him to be that type of uh, of a player, but I do think that he has a ton of potential and can uh, you know evolve into something that's you know productive if nothing else. Yeah, I don't. I think that I was maybe higher on him, but in the sense of I knew what his role or what we needed him to be, and he, we needed him to do like his ideal role is hit three, hit open threes, pass the ball, no turnovers, and play above average defense. Like that's all you need from him. That's you need him to average what ten points a game. Like maybe you don't, you don't need him to do that much, but it's the turnovers that matter, and then his decisiveness. When he's decisive, it, it works well. And like people have noted, I think I mean Kokoskov is going to revolutionize a lot about the Suns that we don't realize yet. And it's something obviously some of the writers realize, but casual fans do not understand how much he's going to revolutionize the game and what how the Suns play. I think um, Bender is going to really, I mean, as others have said, going to benefit from that probably the most. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to see how well he can thrive in this new system. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, this is this is going to be his third season now, and McDonough has been very patient with his development. Um, and, you know, I think because he was so young uh, coming uh, from, you know, the Euro League over to the NBA at such a young age, and, uh, you know, he, he has not <laughs> lived up to his, 
his, uh, you know, number four overall pick yet. But uh, like you're saying, everything, he has the tools, and he sees the floor very well. He can defend very well. You know, he, he makes plays every once in a while that you're just – you, you just can't believe that uh, he he can't do that more consistently. You know some of his some of his abilities just to 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 read the defense or to or to see the offense and get other players the ball, and then all of a sudden the next time he turns it over and makes a terrible pass. So you just first of all you want to see consistency, and I think the next thing that you uh, you really want to see out of him or not see out of him, but see evidence of is just confidence, knowing that you know he doesn't have to hesitate when he shoots the ball. As soon as he gets it, if he's open, just just hit it, and that's when you see him at his best. When he just shoots the ball and doesn't worry about it, then uh, you know his, his shooting percentages go up, and he looks like a pretty good player. Absolutely. Let's kind of move to Agent a little bit and how he's going to fit in. He was getting double teamed immediately on that the first game that I was seeing there against Dallas. Um, I think it's going to be kind of a reciprocal relationship there, where because Booker and all these other shooters are there, he's going to have more room and less ability to get double teamed, but also. As he gets double-teamed, people aren't going to be able to double-team as hard. Plus, when they do double-team, everybody's going to be more open and better shooters. I mean, think about the one we were talking about. I mean, Knight, Booker, Bridges, and Reza are all good shooters. So, Jackson cutting and the rest of them sh- the rest of them shooting, and Aiton just sitting in the post, who and he can turn around, too, and face up. But there's going to be some spacing there that has not been there for a while. Um and the ability to and Booker Booker's efficiency, I think, is going to go through the roof this year. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, that, that's certainly the hope, and uh, I I I I do agree that uh, you know if they if they decide to try to double eight and in the post, it will be at their own peril. There's just too many shooters, uh, especially with Booker um, on on the floor. So. One one other encouraging thing that I did see out of Aiden from uh, summer league at least is when he did get doubled, he would recognize it and try to get try to make the pass immediately. Uh, the pass didn't always uh, go as planned. Sometimes the passes weren't really uh, on target, but I, I did at least see the recognition. He didn't try to force things. I think a lot of the fan base wanted him to be a little bit more uh, aggressive in in trying to take it to the you know, take it to the hoop no matter what, but he was actually making the right reads and the right decisions, and when he has more talent around him, that that should pay off. Although we do want to avoid the Alex Glenn syndrome that Alex Glenn had his first three years. We need Aiton to be aggressive. That is an impassionate, really, that's that's the aspects of Doncic that I love. Obviously not the same type of player, but the passion, the, the clutchness, the just the ability to really feel the game really well. Agent has that. I just want. I just don't want him to be soft. That's what you. The only thing you don't want in your big men is them to be soft. And I don't think he's necessarily soft, but I feel like because he has so much finesse to his game, sometimes I want him to. I want him to be more Derek Favorsy, like bully, kind of bully Randall, bully-ish, but at bigger, but a bigger frame and more skill. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have any concerns about him being passive the way Alex Len was, but the. Uh... The one thing that I, I still see that's a little bit concerning is that he seems to be uh, at, at times just kind of removed from the game, where he he's not as uh, I don't want to say that he doesn't his motor isn't as high, but uh, you know he just disappears, and you and you don't know if it's a, if it's a function of him just not establishing a position well enough, or uh, maybe his teammates not getting him the ball. But sometimes you know you can go uh, quite a while without seeing him touch the ball. And uh, that can't happen. They they have to get him involved. When he gets the ball, 
good things happen. And and that's the difference between someone like Aiton and Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn would get the ball and would settle for, you know, an, an off-the-hook oh, shot or, you know, a jump great, shot, whereas Aiton gets it and, and does something with it. And that's really good, but the one thing is that the Aiton needs the ball like that. Like, that's why that's why Dodgich is better, because the, if your elite players are wing players, it's not as hard to get them the ball, and then your better players have who can play make better get the ball more often rather than postman, which is more efficient anyway. But I, I mean, if Aiden, I mean, Aiden's there because you have the defense, you have the ability to have offense from all positions now. That's really good. Um, so, but also, it'd be nice if uh, Brandon Booker could be the one throwing him the inbound, the uh, entry passes. That'd be nice. Yeah, uh, they definitely need to improve on that, especially from, uh, you know, just they haven't been able to utilize a big man in I don't know how long. Uh, and it can't just be Alex Len's fault, you know, because <laughs> you saw some of the lob attempts with Tyson Chandler. And I think, uh, you know, Booker finally seemed to be the only one who, who was able to get it down. Uh, I remember early on when Brandon Knight was here and Tyson Chandler and, and Brandon Knight just throwing the, the worst possible lobs that you've ever seen. <laughs> it was incredible. So, yeah, he's he's still going like, to have to give uh, some better, yeah, some better passes. But I, I think it'll work out. Yeah. What do you think about um kind of uh, the Ariza signing and the uh, how much do you think he's going to play? How, what do you think about his veteran presence, things like that? Well, from from everything that we've heard, uh, especially I think Ryan McDonough made a comment during summer league that. Uh, uh, with Igor coming in, and he asked him, you know, what free agents should we be looking at? And he said, I want Ariza uh, right away. And and so I think that Igor has big plans for him. I'm sure he's going to start. Uh, and, and it seems to make a lot of sense, being that, you know, you drafted Bridges as a top 10 pick, but, you know, you already have what you hope Bridges becomes in, in Ariza for a year that Bridges can kind of learn under as a mentor, and, uh, you know, I do, I do think that, that Bridges is going to be a tremendous player, but, uh, for the Suns to be able to get Ariza on a one-year rental to fill that hole immediately, you know what you're getting. So even if Bridges does take a year to develop, it doesn't matter. You already got it covered. Yeah. So there's the, the good things. Okay. We'll, we'll move to some lineups and some roster kind of rotation stuff in a second here. But yeah, so the thing is the next year, Ariza, Jared Dudley and, uh, Texas Chandler all come off the books, which will be nice. You can really get more in their prime players for that side. Um, I always wanted a reason, but I didn't think it was going to be when he was 33 or whatever. <laughs> um, I was hoping a little bit earlier than that. But he is so – it's going to be so much better. The defensive awareness around the whole team, the, the tenacity, the fact that they're actually going to go for it finally, it's going to be so great. I hope Bucker can stay healthy. Let's talk about kind of like starting lineups and, and the, the, the amazing depth that the Suns have at the moment. Yeah, they they have a lot of depth, and uh, that uh, at certain positions, I should say. You know, the wing position. I think uh, when when we looked at the the numbers and and the positions, you you could look at uh, potentially playing an entire game with nothing but wings if they wanted to. You know, they they could they could have an eight man rotation of nothing but wing players if, if at the moment. So, uh, and and McDonough on an interview during summer league said that that was by design. They, uh, with this, with the modern NBA, they, they really value these, uh, wing players and having, you know, the shooting and the scoring and, and now adding that defense as well. So, uh, but, but I do think that the Suns have tremendous depth at, at nearly every position, even at point guard, even though it's unproven, they have a lot of players, uh, 
you know, that, that could work out very well between Brandon Knight and then uh, Akobo, who's uh, we still don't know what he is yet. But then Shaq Harrison showed that he is uh, just a defensive stalwart mm-hmm. at, at Summer League. So he could actually, you know, still have a, a, a decent role on the roster. Yeah. I mean, who do you just say are the top, in order, the top three defensive players on the Suns right now? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, judging by what we saw last year and in Summer League, I have to put Harrison up there. Right now, a reason. Uh, uh, well, I- I'm saying based on for for what I've seen with the Suns. Now, Ariza, uh, traditionally, you know that he would he would certainly be your number one defender. I'm just saying from what we've seen so far, you'd have to put uh, Harrison at the top. Ariza should be at the top, uh, but we'll we'll have to wait and see how he works with this okay, uh, okay. offense and, and defense. And then I still have high hopes for uh, Josh Jackson because he was a great defender at Kansas. He uh, started to do a little bit better last year, but he still has a ways to go. But I think that he could end up being your your third best defender as well if everything works out. Um, and then Bridges, obviously, you know, was just a prototypical three and D player. Uh, he really is. He, he's uh, he's exactly what you want from from perimeter uh, defense at the wing position. So I, you know, they they certainly have the right players. Now it's just a matter of making it happen. Yeah, and the funny thing is people used to think that last year Bender was the best defensive player, so it's good that he doesn't have to be this this year. I think he's getting better, and I think Jackson actually has more potential than, than it seems like you do. I think he could be, if everything actually worked out, the defensive player of the year. Wow. I mean, I yeah. I see flashes of things that are just like, dude, I mean, I'm pretty in there now because it's been so long since we saw the Suns actually play it. Similarly yeah. to Allen, but um, so that's that. So let's think about some lineups here. We got I'm thinking the starters are going to be Knight um, at the one, Booker at the two, Jackson at the three, Ariza at the four, Eaton at the five. That leaves so much depth. I mean, so then when you start in the backups, let's say let's say a Kobo wins it for now against Jack Harrison because of playmaking. But obviously, I was talking with my friend, uh, and Harrison is the defensive guy at any game that they need it. Um, looks like Davon Reed probably will have the, the backup two spot for himself. From summer league and the fact that he brings enough shooting but way more defense than Daniels does. Um, you'd have to say that the like the back of three is it Warren or is it Bridges? Um, and then four we got Chris and D- Chris and Bender and Dudley and then Chandler. So it's like what what happens? How does that war roll out? Or do you see an impending trade coming like I do? Oh, absolutely. There, ha- there has to be a trade. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a, any Suns fans that are under the impression that TJ Warren is still, uh, really, you know, fits, fits where this team is headed. Um, especially with, you know, the moves that they've made, uh, you know, acquiring bridges, getting Ariza, even though Ariza can play the four as well. Um, but when you, when you have bridges and Ariza, um, and, uh, Jackson, obviously, you, you know, you, you don't really have a place for TJ Warren anymore. Um, and, and I still think that he's a valuable player on the right team. I could really see him fitting in with a team like the Spurs. Um, mm-hmm. Memphis would be another one that I, I think would be a good fit for Warren. But, uh, I just, with Igor's offense and, uh, you know, Warren's lack of shooting and, and very, you know, very unorthodox skill set. I just, I think uh, the Suns are going to have to look at moving him. Yeah, he and Kyle Anderson are kind of similar players. Very elite cutters, 
who aren't that athletic, who have a just a really interesting game that doesn't necessarily fit with what is necessarily helpful. I mean, it's helpful, but um, ideal, I guess, in, in NBA circles. Um, so, like, I mean, for instance, like, obviously, we kind of know where, where we most of us stand on Chris. The weird thing is that you you want to deal. I mean, obviously, you want to try to deal night of the deadline, especially if his value is rehabbed. But you also, before the season, you kind of need to deal Warren and Chris and next year's first for something. But you like can't. You don't want to take any back any roster spots. You want like lots of picks or something. I don't know what you want. But what, what do you think they want to go for? Um. Well, I, I mean, I I think the 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 one position that they still have the biggest need right now is. Uh, Still point guard, you know. I so I in in a, of course that that all depends on how this whole night Akobo Harrison thing works out. Uh, the second the second uh, need, I guess you would say, is you know maybe power forward, only because your your Bender is uh, still very very raw. Chris is unproven at the moment, and uh, Ariza. You know he he can play the four, but uh, I'd I'd actually rather see him uh, spending more of his time at the three on the perimeter. We don't really have an inside scorer or uh, you know a true power forward that that I would think would would uh, you know be able to match up against any type of lineup. So at the moment, I'm not sold completely on trading Chris just because. Uh, I still think there's some there's some talent, some untapped potential and talent there. Um, but you know, if the right deal was to come along and you, you were able to move on from TJ, plus you had to throw in Chris or something, yeah, I could certainly see them doing it. Yeah, the weird thing is to me is as, as we're talking about that, I'm trying to think of how it would work because you said you want a reason the three, which I also love, but that means that either Booker has to go to the one, because Jack, I, I want to mix Jackson there also, um, into the lineup, and then where do you put Bridges? It just makes it so confusing because. Obviously, at some point you'll play a you'll play a Booker Bridges, like I said, the Booker Bridges, um, Jackson, Ariza, Eaton lineup. But maybe you could even take Eaton out of there and play real small ball and try like <laughs> like what would, what would a Booker, Jackson, Bridges, Warren, Ariza lineup look like? Well, I don't know if they would go with that. I mean, who knows? Maybe they would, but I, I could a see minutes. something. I, I could certainly see something like a. Uh, you know, Booker, Bridges, uh, Jackson, Ariza, Bender lineup. Ooh, that's good. Um, yeah, some, something like that I think can work. And, and I know Igor was saying he didn't really want to have Booker play the, the point this, this season. Yeah. Um, he said he really wanted him to focus on being the scorer. Uh, but we'll see if that holds true. I just don't know if you would completely dismiss the idea of Booker running the point when he's already proven to be such a, a, a great option, when you have the versatility that you do with the other positions, that you want to get your best five players on the floor, mm-hmm. then I think you have to at least consider putting Booker at the one, uh, especially when you have people like we were just talking about. Jackson can distribute as well, so it's not like Booker would have to do that full time. You know, you, you could you could put Bender and, and with, with Bender and Jackson plus Booker on the floor, you have enough uh, people who can distribute the ball that Booker would not have to be the only one to do so. Yeah, one thing I was nervous about as, we were, as I was talking this over with somebody else was uh, I think if if this is your backup um, group, if it's, um, say it's Harrison, Reed, Warren, Bender, Chandler, you need you don't have enough playmakers on the court. Right. Yeah, um, uh, 
and I think that's uh, that's something that we probably won't see. I don't think we would see that lineup very often. I think with Igor's offense, you will always have at least a couple of playmakers on the floor. Um, it, it pretty much necessitates that with his style of play. So uh, I'm not sure what those lineups will look like, but but I think we will see a lot of playmakers for sure. Which is one reason I think that Okobo has something up on Harris, even though Harrison is just such a good defender. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, the, the, that's the one thing you'd still want to see from Harrison. He he actually did show a lot more of that playmaking at summer league yeah, than I was used either. to seeing. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do badly. Obviously, his strength is still as a defender. But, uh, you know, if he if he can step up his playmaking to match uh, Akobo, then, yeah, he could actually become the backup. But uh, with with what Igor is going to run, I agree with you. Uh, Akobo makes a lot more sense as a playmaker right now than Harrison does. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just so excited about all the shooting, spacing, and Igor's offense. It's going to be so interesting to watch. Yeah. Suns are going to be so exciting this next year. It's going to be crazy. Now, what do you think they're going to do in the summer of next year? Because they're going to have so much money to spend. And what do you think they're going to go for? Because we obviously don't know what some of these rookies are like. But let's say Aiton is reasonably improving. Bridges is already – I mean, Bridges is older than Booker by a year. So um, Bridges is Bridges, a 3 and D player. Akobo is fine. What do you think, and like, and then Jackson proved a little bit, Bender improved a little bit. What do you think the Suns are going to do with all that cap space? Yeah, that, that's the million dollar question. Um, I can't even think that far ahead to tell you the truth yeah. at the moment, just based on how many variables and unknowns there are right now. You know, uh, with, with the Suns, there's so many question marks right now about who's going to do what and how will this player develop and who's still going to be on the roster next year. You know, I think we're going to see a lot of changes, and uh, I don't. I really don't know. It, it, there's just so many different ways this can go that I, I, I think they will look to acquire somebody. You know, obviously they'll they'll have to use that cap space on someone. They're they're intentionally uh, putting themselves in position to make a couple of big moves next year. I just have no idea of, of what that could be at this point. Yeah, if in in. If if he doesn't go to the Lakers, would you sign Kawhi Leonard to a deal not trade for him? Um, you know, I just don't. I don't know if the Suns will will be a, a major player for uh someone like Kawhi Leonard. Uh, just like you know the LeBron James and and the Kevin Durant's and you know if the Suns ever turn it around and start winning a bunch of games, Booker becomes this superstar that the Suns have confidence that he'll become. Then sure, anything's possible. Uh, but I always think of when I'm thinking of free agents, I'm always thinking of like second tier, third tier players. I'm never thinking of first tier players because I just don't see it as an attractive uh, place for to pull in the best of the best at the moment. Exactly. That's like what I've been saying for like five years. It's been like, guys, the way free agency works is you have some players, you try to get better, you sign some middling free agents so that your team is good enough. And then your internal development from there will attract the big free agents. You can't just suck and have all these young players and then expect big free agents to come. It's just not how it works. Right. Oh, man. So frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's um, – any other final things about the Suns? We kind of covered most of the Suns. We're going to go into uh, the uh, offseason here as we wait for media day, et cetera, in September. 
Anything else? Um, well, you know, the one thing I, I think that uh, that I've seen more uh, just optimism al- among the fan base about, you know, no more about the timeline. It's time to start winning games. Uh, and I think that that's the the biggest change this year is uh, this is the first year I think that w- we should all expect to see a jump in wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm probably expecting a more substantial jump than most uh, just because of the players that I'm seeing. Um, I've been hesitant to make a prediction, but uh, if they, you know, if everything goes as planned, I could see 40 wins this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that would be huge, a giant leap. So, you know, and I've seen some people say they, they're fighting for a playoff spot. I don't think that uh, they'll necessarily be in the playoffs this year, but, uh, you know, I don't think 40 wins or, you know, anywhere between, let, let me, let me uh, tone it down a bit, say between 35 and 40 wins. I don't think is outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, I'm around 35 too. Definitely in the 30s, probably around 35 is where I where I think they're going to be slotted there. Um, yeah, because the playoffs are just going to be ridiculous. There's like I think I counted. There's like 11 or 12 teams that could legitimately be in the playoffs next year in the West. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. It's going to be crazy. Anyway, thank you so much, Sean, for your time. This was great. We'll um, post it on there. Everybody, um, check out Sean on Twitter. He has some good stuff there. Uh, why don't you plug your Twitter, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, Sean Sullivan NBA on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, follow me, and, uh, and uh, yeah, look forward to talking to you again, Eric. Thanks for definitely, having me on. Definitely, Sean. Um, definitely check out my Twitter at Eric underscore Sar, E-R-I-C underscore S-A-A-R. Uh, this is the Solar Insights Podcast. You can find it on Spotify, on iTunes, et cetera. Also, go to my website, uh, EliteHoopsDevelopment.com, for uh, training in basketball. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great day.